Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses and organizations between 2 to 50 people. My name is Cedric. Um, This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. So today we're going to be talking about a topic of your boss's true motivations and specifically uh, what I mean by your boss's true motivations and and why it would help you. Um, This is somewhat related to the topic in last week's podcast, which is uh, episode number 21, uh, sorry, episode number 22, which is, you know, being the shit shield for your team. Um, Knowing your boss's true motivations allows you to predict your boss's actions, uh, which would then allow you to you know, better serve as a shit shield to protect your team from the unnecessary randomness uh, that is, you know, that exists in every organization. But I think uh, understanding your boss's true motivations as a technique is really common sense. Uh, when I, you know, when I describe it, uh, as I was writing down the notes for this episode, I was sort of saying like, this is really, you know, obvious uh, to someone who's sort of standing outside and looking at management as a, a, a thing that you practice. But when you're in the thick of things, it's really easy to forget. So I think it's quite useful to sort of talk about this explicitly because I, if anything, uh, what I've learned from teaching the managers in my old company is that things that are obvious to one person can totally not be obvious to another person. I believe that a huge part of being effective as a manager is being able to understand the motivations of various stakeholders, uh, of which the most important is your direct manager. So in my in my previous company, my direct manager was pretty much my boss, which was the founder of the company. If you're in a smaller scale startup, that's probably similar. Um, if you're in a larger startup, uh, maybe a company that has already hit 50 people, it's likely that your boss is a middle uh, manager, somebody else who then reports to the founders. Uh, regardless of what it is, it's probably the most important it's most important for you of all the stakeholders that exist in your company and there are others definitely (laughs) you know you interface with other teams but the most important to you and your immediate performance especially in the first few days of your job is to be able to have an accurate model of what your manager is motivated by Um, and in doing so it helps to uh, think about a couple of things. Well, I, I have, I think, one specific technique to recommend at the end of this podcast. But let's talk a little about why I believe it is so important to your effectiveness as a manager. Uh, now, consider the following scenario, right? Like, um, say, let's say that you want to propose something to your manager and you have a team of five engineers, uh, one designer, and as in any startup, uh, you're incredibly busy. Everybody's really, really busy. Um, and you want to propose that you want to start this new project, um, you would take maybe three engineers and half the time of the designer to do this project that proposes to increase the speed of execution of your team on normal features or normal, um, you know, normal business value generating activities, whatever it is, right? And so so this proposal is something to streamline uh, uh, your processes. Maybe it's to introduce a code review tool, which requires a bit of time to get in place, maybe a week of time, right? And And you pitch this to your boss, and your boss says no. He says that, oh, you know, right now you're you have two ongoing feature development efforts, uh, you know, that you're engaged in. You should focus on delivering those because it's really important to the company that those uh, come out by the end of the month, as per the deadline discussions. Right now, would your assessment of this situation change? If, say, you find out that um, your boss actually needs uh, these projects to come out at the end of the deadline because he plans to get promoted in the company? Um, Or does it change if you find out that your boss actually just discovered that his 
daughter uh, uh, was recently diagnosed with a chronic illness and he has been thinking of leaving the company. So he's not uh, that interested in seeing new initiatives uh, come into play. Uh, instead, he just wants to see the things that he's responsible for uh, taken care of. Uh, would it change your mind if you find out that your boss uh, knows that the company is about to get acquired and because he's about to get acquired, he just wants to cash out and he sort of turn off on all uh, the remaining uh, responsibilities that he has in the company, right? And, and the answer to all these three scenarios is that it's highly likely that yes, right, the, your opinion uh, and your judgment and the actions that you would take if you really believe in this proposal, uh, because say, let's say that you're, you plan to stay in a company for another two years, your actions will likely change if you know which of these three scenarios uh, is true. Um, I think that in any company, in any organization, uh, everybody sort of responds to uh, typical motivations, right? surface motivations, but they also have a layer of deeper motivations. My argument in this podcast is that you should focus on the deeper motivations, uh, not just the shallow ones. So obviously the shallow ones are uh, your boss probably wants the company to do well. Uh, he or she probably wants to uh, achieve whatever uh, key performance indicators that were set for him or her at the start of the year or the start of the reporting uh, period. Um, he or she wants to do her job and then there's like a couple things in the job description. Now, these are the obvious shallow motivations that every role in the company probably has. And you can sort of just look at the organizational chart and go, yeah, you know, like somebody in sales probably, you know, they want sales to go up. Somebody in marketing wants to increase the number of leads that the sales department receives and so on and so forth. But the shallow, sorry, the shallow motivations are not the true picture, right? The, the, the really effective managers are the ones who go out of the way to figure out what are the, the true motivations uh, that drive these people. And the benefits from that are pretty uh, powerful, right? So I, I can think of three benefits off the top of my head. The first benefit is that if you understand, truly understand and have an accurate model of your boss's true motivations, then you would have a an ability to criticize in a way that is more likely to be accepted, right? So a, a typical model of criticism that I found to work pretty well is if you understand what their true motivations are, like say which of the three scenarios that are you know really in play here, you can then frame whatever criticism that you have of your boss's process or your team's process in terms of their true goals or in terms of their true motivations, right? So uh, example would be, say, I know uh, in my previous job that my boss really wants to build a, a valuable company that he can then sell off maybe five, six years down the line. Um, we are not venture funded. So uh, pretty much the vast majority of the shares in the company belongs to him, which means that the payout will be pretty big. And so therefore, I could sometimes criticize certain things and frame it in terms of, you know, doing this this way uh, will result in higher sales, but ultimately it doesn't deliver that much business value if you're thinking of building a valuable company that you can then sell off. And he, I would find that whenever I frame it that way, you know, um, especially if it's, you know, particularly relevant and very clearly relevant to whatever criticism I was making, uh, he would pay attention and, and he would then uh, more likely than not take steps to make sure that uh, my criticism was addressed because it was in line with his true goal. So that's the first benefit, right? You get a model of criticism that's you know, much more likely to be received. Uh, this isn't all I have to say about criticism, but it's just one aspect. Obviously, there are certain scenarios where you do have to make criticisms and you, it's definitely not in line. Uh, and we're going to talk about that separately. Um, but this is one benefit. The second benefit is you have a higher percentage uh, 
higher probability of getting your proposals accepted, right? Like if you have certain proposals, uh, first of all, you know if given their true motivations, your boss's true motivations, what proposals to bring to him and what not to bring to him or her. Um, and if you do bring the proposal, you can then choose to frame it in terms of their true motivations, right? So for example, in my case, when I presented stuff to my boss, I would sometimes, uh, especially if it really made sense and I knew that it was in line with his true motivations of selling the company uh, and building value in the company to sell, I would propose it and like, oh, you know, if we do this, uh, we can accelerate our development faster and it will be more valuable because then we can capture um, larger market share, whatever it is. Obviously, it has to make sense. Obviously, it has to be logical. Uh, but just knowing to be knowing that you can frame it in such a way or even knowing that you should bring proposals that are, only, that are in line with his or her true motivations would pretty much, I think, across the board, increase the probability of success of your proposals. Um, the third benefit, the third and last benefit is I think it helps you uh, become a better shit shield uh, for your team as we discussed in episode uh, 22 uh, last week. Um, we talked about how uh, being a shit shield requires you to understand uh, the vagaries, right? the random occurrences or, or things that happen in the organization, uh, the shit that rains down from high. And if you have a better model of your boss, you can sort of figure out uh, what kind of actions um, or reactions he might have to certain events, which then allows you to plan more accurately and do your job more effectively uh, in protecting your team from whatever shakes out from such events. Uh, I think that's all sort of commonsensical. I think that that's sort of obvious. Um, I, I would say that uh, in particular for this idea, I owe a, a debt to uh, Philip Guo, who is an academic. I think he's a professor of cognitive science now, uh, but he wrote a fairly famous blog uh, uh, when he was a PhD student um, called pgbovine.net. And in that blog, one, one particular blog post, he wrote about how he discovered that in a research team, there are multiple directions for uh, research at any given time. But he slowly realized that if he uh, chose a research project that was in line with his PhD supervisor, which is his boss, with his boss's true motivation, say that, that his boss is interested in only three particular directions of research in this particular field, if he proposes a research project for his PhD thesis um, that's in line with one of those three goals, suddenly he would find himself with uh, organizational tailwind behind him, pushing him forward. Uh, he would get more uh, resources, he would get more attention, and he would get more time with the professor. And I sort of just took this idea and applied it to work, right? It's very obvious to me that uh, in any organization, people have real motivations and they have true motivations, like deep motivations, uh, be it their promotion or their career goals or uh, their family goals affecting what they do in work. And understanding these and moving your work to be more in line with their boss's, with your boss's true motivations would only benefit you. So I owe this to PG Bovine and I would, uh, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. I think he has done a remarkable job of uh, trying to sort of uh, describe this, this, this thing, which I believe is true in any organization, whether it's research or company. All right, for the last part of this podcast, let's talk a little about how uh, you should go about doing this, of finding your boss's true motivations. Now, the way that I think about this is I think of uh, this as a three-step process. Now, outside, I think the name for this is typically Bayesian updating. It's a very fancy name. Let's not use this name, though. Um, it's just three simple steps. 
the first step is you generate stories, right? Uh, and what I want to say in this particular step is that this is something that you naturally do. You see somebody, you know, take some action. Maybe somebody does something bad to you and your brain immediately comes up with a story like, oh, this person doesn't like me. You know, she's trying to backstab me. Uh, I would warn against this. So the first step is not just to generate stories, but competing stories, right? Competing stories that explains uh, uh, the set of actions that your boss has done and that you've observed her doing. Um, the second step is applying a probability or confidence uh, value to each of these stories. So I think it's a common human failing to see everything in black and or white. Uh, your brain comes up with a compelling narrative that links together all the observations that you've made of some person over a period of time and you stick to it. Most of us, you know, if we don't have any training whatsoever, what we do is we stick to the first story that is generated by our minds. And that's not ideal, right? It's not ideal because you could get things wrong, right? It could be complete. Uh, compelling narratives, multiple compelling narratives. And what you should do is you should apply like a probability, a score. I use probability, so I use percentage out of 100%. You can use a different score, whatever score it is uh, that you want to use. And you explicitly model in your head like, oh, you know, my boss is saying no because um, he's, it's likely that he has some family problems, but I have not seen much evidence of this. So I'm going to apply like 20% confidence to this. Um, and uh, it, it could well be that he's interested only in a promotion. I have seen actions that are consistent with the story. So I'm going to apply a probability rating of 40% uh, to this, you know, and, and you just score it in your head and keep in mind the various uh, possible explanations. And every time a new event comes, comes, uh, you do the third step. And the third step is to update each of these stories, right? The confidence ratings of each stories. Um, what this does is it gives you a richer, um, more accurate model of your boss's true motivations. And over time, with enough observations, you began to get a sense uh, of what really drives your boss and what really, you know, it's likely to fly uh, with him or her when you do proposals and so on and so forth. I think most of us do it intuitively. Um, the reason why I describe this process explicitly here is because I believe that it prevents us from committing the error of sticking with the first compelling narrative that appears in our head. And then after that, you know, we, we stick to that first compelling narrative and then we don't update it uh, as it goes along, uh, you know, as we see more and more observations. So that's it for this week. I hope this idea is useful to you. And I will point out that the idea of updating is something that we will return to in future episodes because it's obviously more applicable than just to your boss. It so happens that your boss is the most important person in your day-to-day -day, uh, work as a manager, but it of course applies to other stakeholders as well. So that's it for this week. Cedric out.